0: welcome to the banner of truth broadcast this program is brought to you by the free reformed churches of north america your host is pastor jack schumann pastor of the emmanuel free reformed church of abbotsford british columbia and now here is pastor jack schumann we are continuing our series of sermons on the lord's prayer using the heidelberg catechism as our guide and before we turn to the next petition In this prayer, I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 4, and we'll begin reading at verse 1 to the end of the chapter. Let us hear the word of God. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Well, this ends the reading of the holy word of God. May the Lord bless and apply the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, when you pray, what is the first thing you pray for? Well, most people pray, first of all, for themselves. If they're sick, they pray for healing. If they're hungry, they pray for food. If they have an important decision to make, they pray for guidance. But when our Lord taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray first and foremost not about themselves, not about their daily bread or even the forgiveness of their sins, but he taught them to pray, first of all, about God. He taught them to pray for the hallowing of his name. Commenting on this, the Puritan Thomas Watson said, and I quote, "'As Christ said of love, this is the first and great commandment, so I may say of this petition, hallowed be thy name. It is the first and great petition.'" It contains the most weighty thing in religion, which is God's glory, End quote. Well, with this in mind and God's help, let's consider this first petition of the Lord's Prayer under the theme, hallowing God's name. And we'll consider, first of all, what this means, secondly, how this is to be done, and thirdly, why this is to be done. In the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, our Lord teaches us to pray for the hallowing his name now what does that mean what does it mean to pray hallowed be your name well before we answer that question we first of all need to understand what is meant by the name of God what is the name of God well today at least in western culture names are not very important they're little more than labels that we use to identify people but this was most certainly not the case in Bible times. In Bible times, name had meaning and significance. For example, Moses means drawn out. Abraham means father of nations. Jacob means supplanter. Esau means red. And Isaac means laughter and so on. Well, this is also true for God. The Bible reveals many names for God. God also has names that were given to him in special circumstances. For example, when the Lord provided Abraham with a ram to sacrifice in the place of his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Similarly, when the Lord gave the people of Israel victory over the Amalekites, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah-Nissi, meaning the Lord is my banner. And when Jeremiah prophesied of the coming of the Messiah, who would take away the sins of his people, Jeremiah called his name Jehovah Sitkenu, the Lord our righteousness. But when our Lord speaks of the name of God, he is referring not so much to the name by which he is called, but rather to God himself. Now, this is clear from Psalm 20, verse 1, as well as other passages. There, the psalmist writes this, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. And then he adds, May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Now, what we have here is a classic example of Hebrew parallelism. The word Lord in the first part of the verse is parallel to the name of the God of Jacob in the second part of the verse. And so the word name refers to God himself. We have another example of this in Proverbs 18, verse 10. There we read, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Well, here again, the phrase name of the Lord refers to God himself. It's not the name of the Lord that is a strong tower, but it is rather the Lord himself. And I could cite many other examples of this kind of thing in the Old Testament. The point is, the name of God, at least in this context, refers to God himself. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, he's teaching us to pray that God himself might be hallowed now what does that word hallow mean exactly well this word hallow is a very old english word that means to sanctify or to set apart and so to hallow god's name means to set him apart to sanctify him to hold him in the highest esteem to honor him to revere him to praise and to glorify him John Calvin put it like this. He said that God's name should be hallowed is nothing other than to say that God should have his own honor of which he is worthy. So that men should never think or speak of him without the greatest veneration. Now You notice when we pray hallowed be your name, we're not praying that God might become any more holy than he is already. For God is as perfectly holy as he possibly can be. Nor are we simply acknowledging that God is holy. This is not just a statement. This is a petition. And that means we're asking God to do something. And what is it exactly? We are asking God to cause all men everywhere and at all times to hallow his name. Now, that implies, of course, that by nature we don't do this. Now, we did do this before the fall. Before the fall of Adam and Eve in paradise, Adam and Eve hallowed God's name all the time in everything that they did. But now that's no longer the case. Because we have fallen into sin, we don't hallow God's name. Our tendency is exactly the opposite. Our tendency is to hallow our own name rather than the name of God. And even believers can be guilty of this at times. We do this when we take too much credit for or pride in things that we have done, or when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, or when we're more concerned about our own name and reputation than God's name or our neighbor's name and reputation. In all these ways and more, we fail to hallow the name of God, and our Lord knows this. And this is precisely why he teaches the believer to pray this petition. In praying this petition, we are acknowledging that we don't do this like we should, and therefore we ask God, Lord, give us the grace to do it, for you are most worthy. And so in this petition, we're asking God for grace to enable us to hallow his name. But how are we to do this? How are we to hallow the name of God? Well, that brings us to our second point. How are we to hallow the name of God? Our catechism gives us an answer to that exact question. And when it asks, what does it mean to hallow your name? The catechism answers like this. Grant us first rightly to know thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works, in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. Notice, first of all, that hallowing God's name begins with a right knowledge of God. Every single human being has some knowledge of God. They know that he exists, even though some outwardly deny it and suppress it. But not all people have a true knowledge of God. There are people who think of God only as a God of wrath and judgment. Others think of him only as a God of love, and still others think of God as an impersonal force or an energy. But none of these things is correct. In order to hallow God's name, we must have a right knowledge of God. Now, from where do we get that knowledge? Well, clearly from the Bible, from the Bible, which is the Word of God, the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God, The word reveals to us not only that God exists, but also who he is and what he is like. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything there is to know about God, but it certainly tells us enough. And that's why it's so important to read and to study and meditate on the word of God. It's in the word of God that we come to know God. But the knowledge of which this catechism speaks is more than just a head knowledge. You know, there are plenty of people who have a certain head knowledge of God. And they can tell you everything there is to know about God and what he is and, and what he does and how he acts. But they don't know him. But in order to hallow God's name, we must not only know about God, we must know God himself. We must be personally acquainted with Him. We must have a close, personal relationship with God, which is only possible through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's only then that we can rightly hallow God's name. So let me ask you, do you know God like this? This is where the hallowing of God's name begins. It begins by knowing God. But that still begs the question, doesn't it? How exactly do we do this? How do we hallow God's name practically? Our catechism puts it like this. It says that when we hallow God's name, we sanctify, glorify, and praise him in all his works in which his power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. In other words, we hallow God's name by praising him for his works. Now what are these works? Well we can think for example of his work of creation by which he called forth all things that we see around us into existence by the power of his word or we can think of his work of providence by which he upholds and governs all things that he has made. We can think too of his work of redemption by which he saved his people from their sins sending his son into the world to die for their sins. And so one way to hallow God's name is to praise and glorify him for his works. Now, why is that? Why does that hallow God's name? Well, because, as our catechism says, in these works we see something of his power, his wisdom, his goodness, his justice, his mercy, and his truth. Now, what we have here are six attributes of God grouped into two sets. The first set of attributes are manifested particularly in creation. So, for example, when we rightly know God, we see the power of God in the forces of nature and earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and so on. We see the wisdom of God in the ability of living things to reproduce, in the the balance of the seasons, the forces that govern the universe and the intricacies of the spider's web. We see the goodness of God in the fact that he causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. And in the fact that he restrains evil so that society can continue to function and even accomplish wonderful things in the realm of science and technology and culture. The second set of attributes are manifested particularly in the realm of redemption. So, for example, we see the justice of God in his determination to punish sin. We see the mercy of God in his decision to to, uh, pour out his wrath against sin and upon his son so that his people might be saved. We we see the truth of God in the fact that he is always faithful to his word and, and will always keep his promises the point is we hallow god's name when we praise and glorify him for his works and not just some of his works but all of his works now we have a beautiful example of this in the passage of scripture that we read together from revelation chapter 4 in this chapter john sees a throne set in heaven and it's the throne of god and on either side of the throne were four creatures the first he says was like a lion the second like a calf the third had the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each creature had six wings, and they were full of eyes within. And day and night they hallowed God's name. They said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And then we read that when the four creatures give glory and honor to God, that the 24 elders fall down before him, casting their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now well, you notice the 24 elders praise God for his works. This is what it means to hallow the name of God. It means to praise and worship, glorify, magnify God for his works, for the things that he has done. But there's another way that we hallow God's name according to our catechism. And it's it's by this, by living unto him and to his glory in every aspect of our lives. Again, let me quote from the Heidelberg Catechism. It says here that to hallow God's name means to so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that his name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Now, we're reminded here that it is the duty of every Christian to glorify God. This is clearly what the Scriptures teach. Colossians 3 verse 17 paul writes whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god and the father by him similarly in first corinthians 10 verse 31 the same apostle writes whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of god we are to do everything to the glory of god it's for this end that you and i were created Now, that includes, as the catechism says, glorifying God in our thoughts. And we do that when we nourish high thoughts of God, when we think well of God at all times and in all circumstances, even in times of sorrow and distress and trial. We hallow God's name when we glorify God in our words. And we do that when we speak well of him to others, when we praise him, when we magnify him for his works of creation and his works of redemption. And finally, it includes glorifying God in our actions, and we do that when we employ our gifts and talents in the service of the Lord and others, when we strive to keep the commandments of God, when we put sin to death and live to his glory. The point is, our whole life should be dedicated to the praise and glory of of God this is how we hallow his name well let me ask you is that true for you today examine your life today is there any part of your life where you are not hallowing the name of God if so then you need to repent of it and if you don't you cannot pray this petition and mean it and so we hallow God's name by our words and by our works but perhaps somebody says well why should we do this anyway why should we hallow God's name well let's turn to that under our third point in his book on the Lord's Prayer, the Puritan Thomas Watson mentions several reasons why we should hallow the name of God. First of all, he says, we should hallow God's name because this is the very end of our being, or the very purpose for which we were created. Let me quote from Watson. He says, why did God give us life, but that by living we may hallow his name? Why did he give us souls but to admire him? and tongues but to praise him. The excellence of a thing is the end for which it was made, as of a star to give light, and of a plant to be fruitful. So the the excellence of a Christian is to answer the end of his creation, which is to hallow God's name, and to live so that God by whom he lives. Secondly, we should hallow God's name, Watson says, because his name is so excellent, that it deserves to be hallowed. In Psalm 8, David cries, How excellent is your name in all the earth! Commenting on this, Watson writes, As the sun has its brightness, whether we admire it or not, so God's name is a lustrous and glorious, whether we hallow it or not. In him are all shining perfections, holiness, wisdom, and mercy. He is worthy to be praised. Thirdly, Watson says we should hallow God's name because if we don't, God will ensure his name is hallowed, albeit at our expense. He cites Pharaoh as an example. He says, he did not hallow God's name, for he said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? But God got honor anyway, Watson says, when he overthrew him and his chariots in the sea, utterly destroying him and his army. Likewise, Herod did not give glory to God, but allowed himself to be adored by his subjects. And so God sent an angel to smite him, and he was eaten by worms. Oh, dear friends, let this be a warning to us. If we do not honor God willingly, we will be forced to honor him. Fourthly, we should hallow God's name because it will be, a, it will be no small comfort to us when we come to die that we have done so. Again, let me quote Watson. He said, What a cordial it will be to us at last when our whole life has been a hallowing of God's name. At the hour of death, all your earthly comforts will vanish. To think how rich you have been or what pleasures you have enjoyed upon earth will not give one dram of comfort. What is one the better for an estate that is spent But to have conscience witnessing that you have hallowed God's name, that your whole life has been glorifying him, what sweet peace and satisfaction will this give? How glad is that servant who has been all day working in the vineyard when evening comes that he shall receive his pay. How sweet will death be when they have spent their lives and honoring God so receive the recompense of reward. Fifthly, Watson says we should hallow God's name because if we do so, he will honor us. How renowned, Watson says, have the saints been in all ages who have hallowed God's name. How renowned was Abraham for his faith, Moses for his meekness, David for his zeal, Paul for his love to Christ. Their names are a precious ointment sent forth, a sweet perfume in God's church to this very day. And sixthly, and finally, we should hallow God's name because if we do not do so, he will pour contempt on us. Let me quote Watson again. Though they be ever so great and though clothed in purple and scarlet, they shall be abhorred of God and their name shall rot. As God vilely esteems such as do not hallow his name, so he sends them to a vile place at last vagrants are sent to the house of correction and hell is the house of correction to which the wicked are sent when they die that all this prevail with us to hallow and to sanctify God's name well these are just a few reasons why we should hallow the name of God let me ask you as I close do you hallow his name oh must we not confess before the Lord today that we don't do this at least not as much as we should and how faithless we are, how unbelieving we are, how selfish we are. We're often more concerned about hallowing our own name than the name of God. But thanks be to God, there is one who did hallow the name of God, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ did what we cannot do. He hallowed God's name all the days of his life. He hallowed God in his words. He hallowed God in his deeds. He even hallowed God in his thoughts. He hallowed God in everything, even in his death. He says as much at the end of his earthly ministry, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, he said to his father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Christ glorified he hallowed the name of his father the whole time that he lived on this earth no one hallowed him like he did and yet and this is one of the greatest ironies of history he was condemned for failing to do so you may remember when Jesus was tried that Caiaphas the high priest asked him whether he was the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus replied you have said Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And we read that upon hearing these words, the high priest tore his clothes and he said, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. And looking at the Sanhedrin, he said, What do you think? And they all with one accord said, He is guilty of death. Jesus was sentenced to die for blasphemy. He was sentenced for not hallowing the name of God. Now, of course, Jesus was not guilty of that terrible crime, but his people were. And as the sin bearer of his people, he took this accusation, as well as the sentence upon himself. He died so that his people might live. Oh, what a comfort this is. Christ did what we cannot do. He hallowed God's name perfectly. And in so doing, he earned for us sinners a righteousness that we could never earn ourselves, but which is absolutely vital to stand before God and live. And when we believe on his name, this righteousness becomes ours so that God regards us as he regards his Son, perfect and holy, and as those who have always hallowed his name. And so we see how this petition, too, points us to Christ, and is fulfilled in Christ. Apart from him, we cannot pray this petition, but in him we can and we will. And one day, may it be soon, what we pray in this petition will be fully realized. In fact, then there will be no more need to pray this petition, for God shall be glorified. His name shall be hallowed perfectly, without sin, without imperfection, without shortcoming. In our thoughts, words, and deeds, everything about us, everything that we have will be dedicated to the glory of his holy name. Oh, may the Lord hasten that great and glorious day. And in the meantime, let us pray fervently and from the heart, hallowed be your name. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy and privilege to be able to preach to you the word of God every Sunday on this station. And if you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Won't you please take the time to write us a short note. Let us know you're listening to this broadcast. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N. And that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.